Okay, hello, people of the way. It is Communion Sunday. And um, on this Communion Sunday, several uh, things that I have to say, several announcements that I have, is that uh, if you are not a believer, do not partake of the elements. Do not partake of the elements. Uh, do not partake of communion. And I don't say that in a mean way. I say that for your protection. And you're going to understand as you listen to this. But also, too, if you're not a believer or if you know if you don't have the communion elements, hit us up. Go to the church website and hit us up and let us know that you need the communion elements because we'll mail them to you. We'll send them to you. It's very important for the church fellowship uh, to partake of communion. It is a church tradition. And in this church tradition, it's to honor the Lord until he comes. And these are things that we're going to discuss today. So if you are a believer, go to the church website, hit us up, and we'll mail you the elements. If you're a non-believer, this isn't for you. Uh, but, you know, I want this isn't for you today. But also, listen to the message about how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Because once you do become a Christian, then you can partake of the elements. And uh, if you notice, I don't have the little my little uh, earbuds in today because we're having a small fellowship uh, with the church body. So I'm a little uh, overjoyed and giddy, if you notice that in my voice, because I get to see my beautiful brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, so uh, we're going to turn your open up your Bible and turn to First Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is what Paul is writing to the church. Never, ever, ever forget that the church in Corinth was very, very carnal. Very carnal. Incredibly carnal. If you notice, a lot of times when we're studying the Bible and we talk about people who have turned their back to the Lord or have started to dishonor the Lord, a lot of our correlating chapters, a lot of our correlating verses that we look at, they go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Because this church was very carnal, Paul had to address them like they were little babies. He even writes to them like, man, you know, I got to write to you like you guys are babies. I wish I could write to you like you're adults, but I'm writing to you like you're babies. And, you know, we live in a culture today where, you know, everybody gets easily offended. But never forget the words of our Lord. You know, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. And that's something when you go through the Bible and you read the Bible and you study the Bible, if you're like me, you're going to be offended. You will be offended. As surely as the Lord lives, you will be offended. Because what the Lord is doing through his word is he's confronting the carnal nature. And he deals with it. And you have to deal with it as well. And when I say you have to deal with it as well, it's because you have to yield to him. You know, you don't have to. I encourage you to. I urge you to. But that's a choice that you have to make. And it's very difficult sometimes. The level of carnality in our bodies, you know, it's the choices that we make, the carnality. It's going to make it more difficult for you to live in the spirit. You know, just like carnality kills the spirit, but also be encouraged because the spirit kills carnality. And then we have choices to make. What am I going to do, Lord, to honor you? Choices I make to honor you. But the church in Corinth, you know, like this communion passage, it's not in chapter one. It's not in chapter two. It's not in chapter three because Paul has to address the carnal nature. 
And when Paul addresses the carnal nature, then you start to see the transition of the church from carnality to spirituality and living in Christ. And then you get into 2 Corinthians and then you see life in Christ. You see the church as a little bit different because they've repented. And then Paul starts to teach him about spiritual warfare. There's always warnings, some, you know, hardcore warnings to the church throughout it all. 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And so here in chapter 11, what, what Paul is doing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is to, you know, teach them about the manner in which to partake of communion. And that's what we're doing today. And Paul addresses that, you know, it's part of the church tradition. And I'm never going to get tired of saying this, but, you know, as a former Catholic, I don't like traditions. I do not like traditions. I do not like religion, so to speak, because you know what happens? You know, it starts to deviate away from our relationship in Jesus Christ, our love relationship with Jesus Christ, your love relationship with Jesus Christ. And this, so when I say tradition, inside of my heart, inside of my mind, I, I, don't, I, I don't like it because I hearken back to my Catholic days. And the Lord rescued me out of Catholicism. And so here we partake of this uh, uh, communion and we're going to start in verse 23. And this is what Paul writes. <clears throat> For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And you know, we're living in a day and age right now where these prophecies that we read about in Daniel, in Ezekiel, in uh, Jeremiah, uh, the minor prophets, Joel, Revelation, even things that Paul writes in Second Thessalonians and First Thessalonians. We're living in a day and age where these aren't aren't just like a, a facet of the Christian imagination, something that we have to think about for the you know far future. But these we're living in this age where you know the probability is getting higher and higher and higher and higher, especially looking at geopolitically what's happening. This peace that's going on in the Middle East and what happens you are also starting to see the, the nations of Ezekiel 38 they're also starting to form their alliances Russia Iran Turkey these are things that are happening today like the past two days you see these alliances forming me personally I'm never gonna get tired of saying this I believe we are last days church and we are living in the last days that the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel could happen very soon. Very soon. And, you know, you look at the church and what do you see? The condition of the church. It's a mess. It's in complete and total disarray. Where are the Pauls? That's what I want to know. Where are the Pauls? You could say, oh, you know, my pastor's like Paul, my elder's like Paul. But you know what? What about you? You know, if you're going to a church and you got a crazy pastor, you might have to find a new church. If you're going to church and the crazy pastor doesn't have any godly elders, you find out that the elders are also crazy. You need to find a different church, a different pastor, or maybe you're the Paul. 
making a stand for righteousness. You see all these beautiful people in the entirety of scripture were surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And what do we see? We see all these godly people. Yes, that they're persecuted. Yes, they're hated. But then at the same time, you see how they're used by the Lord and used of the Lord, how the Lord pours into them and then they pour out unto others. And it's beautiful to witness. It's beautiful to see. And Paul writes, you know, it's like to the church in Galatia, how he says, you know, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You will be hated. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that we will be hated because of him. And you know what? A slave is not greater than his master. Look at what they did to Jesus Christ. You know, and this is what he says here in verse 26. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. Remember the Pharisees? When Jesus Christ was speaking and he talked about eating his flesh, they thought he was talking about a cannibalism. They didn't understand because they weren't spiritually minded. They, they were blind. They were deaf. And because they were blind and deaf, when Jesus Christ would speak, they didn't understand. They didn't have ears to hear, nor did they have eyes to see. And they thought, man, you know, is he, does he want us to eat his flesh? They didn't understand. He was talking about the word, to partake of the word, to consume the word of God. And Jesus Christ even told them about manna. How when the manna came from heaven, how God provided manna from heaven, it was symbolic of himself. But praise be to the Lord, because for those of us today who have eyes to see and ears to hear, we can understand these things. And what's so cool about Bible prophecy, and we start to see these things come to pass, is remember that Jesus Christ said, I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they happen, you might believe. You know, from my perspective, it helps us today. A reassurance of our walk, but then at the same time, a reassurance of our call as fishermen, as fisherwomen. Because people might have told you five years ago, ten years ago, you know, I'm not down with Christianity. I want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. But then they start to see the news. They start to see all the crazy people. And they're like, man, you know, maybe there was something to what this guy told me about Christianity. Maybe Jesus Christ is coming. They start to hear that, you know, there's a red heifer in Jerusalem. Several red heifers. They start to hear that, man, you know, the, the third temple, it's already prefabricated. And then they start to wonder, wow, maybe, maybe what this guy told me about Jesus Christ, maybe what this lady told me about Jesus Christ, maybe it is real. And you'll go back to them. And it's a softener for hearts. When Jesus Christ says, I tell you these things before they come to pass, so that when they happen, you might believe. Be of good cheer because, you know, as this world gets darker and darker and darker, you know, as the Bible teaches us that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. You're starting to see hearts there. Some hearts are becoming hard, but some hearts are being softened. And this tradition that we partake of proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. It's holy. We've lost this concept of holiness in this day and age and culture in which we live a concept of holiness what is holiness 
Have you ever spoken to a person about holiness and they have no idea what you're talking about? But what's so beautiful about being in the Word of God and studying the Word of God is that we start to understand what holiness is because the Lord shows us, the Lord teaches us. Through men, through women, through boys, through girls, through old people, the Lord shows us what holiness is. The, the Lord And through Himself, the Lord shows us what holy is. That's why Moses says, be holy for the Lord is holy. Peter says, be holy for the Lord is holy. What does that tell you? What does that tell me? Be holy. We have a choice to make. And so look what happens here in verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's heavy heavy this is why if you're not a believer you have to hit pause and you have to repent and receive jesus christ as your lord and savior because this is why i tell you if you're not a believer this is why i say don't partake of communion this isn't for you because it's a form of judgment i don't want you to be guilty of the body and blood of the lord that's why i say it's not for you because when you die you're going to stand before the lord and I don't want this verse to be on you. Now, I also say that if you're not a believer, you have to hit pause and you have to listen to the message about how to become a believer and how to uh, uh, um, uh, uh, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then once you've done that, then you come back and then you partake of the elements. Then you partake of communion. Then communion is for you. So sometimes I talk to people and I say, well, you know, you can't take communion and they get mad at me. It's not that I want to hurt anybody's, you know, little feelers. I love you. That's why I say you can't partake of the elements. That's why I say communion isn't for you. It's not out of hatred. It's out of an immense amount of love because I know that you're going to stand before Jesus Christ one day the same way I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ one day. And it's so beautiful when we take this self-examination upon ourselves. You know, the Lord knows your heart. Better than you know your heart, the Lord knows your heart. But you know who's second in line? is you, yourself. You know the thoughts of your heart. You know the thoughts in your mind. The things that go on in your head. And that's why Brother Paul, he writes to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he writes to us to do this self-examination. Look at here in verse 28. But let a man <clears throat> examine himself. And this examination, it's to scrutinize. That's how it translates in the Greek, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not. And what we're doing here in communion is to see whether our walk is genuine or not. It's a safety mechanism. Yes, it's an honor of the Lord, but at the same time, it's a safety mechanism. Because we have this self-examination. Just like you have a car, you might have a vehicle, you might have a motorcycle or something, and you take it to the shop, you know, you do the what's called preventive maintenance. And you take it to the shop, you change the oil, you do whatever, you know, and 
change your tires, rotate the tires, alignment, all that stuff. But that's what we do spiritually for these vessels. We have to go into the shop, so to speak. And that's what we do with the Lord. When we take inventory of our hearts, inventory of our minds, this self-examination, make sure our oil is right, make sure, you know, the tires are aligned. It's a safety mechanism for you and for me. You know, if you start going off into crazy town and start accepting certain doctrines, you start listening to, you know, certain people on TV, you might start falling for their lies. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you read scripture and then you partake in this self-examination. And then you realize like, wow, you know, this guy's in crazy town and I was listening to him. I was believing him. And then you come back to where you need to be. And it's so beautiful because what happens is that, you know, have, I mean, like if you take, have like an old car and then you come out of the shop, you know, and it's like you, like you drive a car when it's got like a fresh oil change, you know, the tires are aligned. It's like a nice smooth ride or you get like new tires. It's a nice smooth ride. That's how it is for us as Christians. It's like, wow, you know, and we do this monthly as a church body. But it doesn't have to be monthly. You can do it. You know, like, you know, when you read the Bible and you're convicted by the Spirit, you need to repent right then and there. You do this self-examination as you read the Bible. And what happens is that the Lord continues His work of changing us, transforming us into a new image. You know, we're born, you know, in the image of Christ. In the likeness of Christ, that's how we're born. Because we were created in His image. But you know what? He's not done with you. You become born again, and then He continues the process. He does it spiritually. Making you more and more unto His image. But it's spiritually. You say, oh, that's crazy. I don't believe that. Well, it is written. It is true. That's why, you know, it's so beautiful here. And look at verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And that's like, I don't know about you, but for me, that scares me. It's terrifying. I don't want to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And I don't want you to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So what do we do? What's the remedy? It's to examine ourselves. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the of the bread and drink of the cup. It's not to say don't partake of the elements. It's to say partake of the elements, but precursory to that, you have to do something. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. And then you have to examine yourself. And you might have to repent too. This self-examination, you might have to repent. It's not a bad thing at all. Sometimes I talk to Christians and they see repentance as a bad thing. But repentance is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because it's how we're right with the Lord. Old Testament and New Testament, it's how we're right with the Lord. 
And that's what the Lord desires. Just like in our study in Leviticus, how the Lord has these priests. And the whole objective, the whole purpose of it all is for people to be right with the Lord. That's the whole purpose, Old Testament and New Testament, for souls to be right with the Lord. And then you read in the Bible, in Leviticus, where we're going to see it later on in subsequent chapters. You're going to see how the priests, some of them get into crazy town. They start dishonoring the Lord. And because of that dishonor, you see how the Lord responds. Not just to the priests, but to the people. It's not a good thing. You also see it in the church. Just like the church in Corinth. You know, the, all the little home fellowships that were in Corinth. I'm glad that Paul wrote this letter, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But what saddens me is that he had to write the letter. He had to address this carnal nature. I'm super glad. I'm not trying to say that it's bad. I'm incredibly glad that he wrote the letter, inspired by the Spirit. I'm really, really glad that he wrote the letter. But look at what was happening in the church. A guy having sex with his dad's wife. And they were going to church, singing praise the Lord, hallelujah, clapping. And that's why Paul writes and says, you're rejoicing, guys. It's not a good thing. And part of this correction that the Lord has for us, it's so that we can be right with the Lord. We can be well aligned with the Lord. Kind of like your car, you get your wheels, your tires aligned. But the same thing is with us, with you and with me. And this is the manner in which we partake of the elements. In verse 29, <clears throat> For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. We live in a culture today where there's not a lot of discernment at all. Spiritual discernment. That's the culture in which we live today. So you hear me talk about pastors who get into crazy town. You hear me talk about elders who get into crazy town. You hear me reference priests in the Old Testament who have gotten into crazy town. Because there's no discernment. And because there's no discernment, look what the Lord does. Old Testament and New Testament, look at what he does here in verse 30. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. It translates that many have died. <clears throat> many have died. This is hardcore. You know, the Lord doesn't play around. You read the Old Testament and you see when a priest gets into crazy town and then you see what happens to the people and then you see what happens to the kings. And we're going to study this hardcore when we get into the uh, first Kings, second Kings, the Chronicles. You're going to see what the Lord does. And you might in your mind be like, wow, Lord, that's hardcore. Why are you doing that? Well, because we have this foundation of our study in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, you're going to understand exactly why the Lord does what he does. You say, oh, that's the Old Testament. We're under grace. Okay, we're under grace. Stay under grace. Stay in the confines of grace. The little fence line that the Lord has for you, for me. Where the pastures are green, where the waters are still. What happens when you go outside of that fence? 
That's not grace anymore. That's taking advantage of God's grace. You jump over that fence. You start to do your crack. You start to do your pornography. You start to beat on this person. You start to do all this drug stuff, your alcohol stuff. That's not grace, my friend. At that point, you're under the law. And the schoolmaster, which is the law, is the tool that the Lord uses to bring us back into grace. But then at the same time, what happens if you ignore the schoolmaster? That means you're under the law and the Lord gives you up. And we're going to touch on that hardcore when we get into Romans. And this communion, it's a safety mechanism to prevent that from happening and to keep us in the confines of God's grace. This process of self-examination. Because it is possible. Remember, this letter is to the church. And Paul is writing to the church. Hey, he who eats and drinks among you in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Remember, that's to the church. Imagine somebody in the church reading, you know, hey, we got a letter from Paul. And then he says, you know, uh, uh, uh. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Imagine how all the people in Corinth, maybe there were some people who were offended. Oh, I'm good to go. Once saved, always saved. I'm good to go. I repented. I did an altar call when I was 10 years old. And you know what? I can do this other stuff. But no, it doesn't work that way. Remember, be holy for the Lord is holy. Moses said it to the people. Brother Peter said it to the people. Be holy for I am holy. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, lay aside, put aside those elementary things. And let's move on to perfection. To grow and mature in Christ. I mean, when I was in kindergarten, first grade, maybe not first grade, but when I was in kindergarten, I used to love finger painting. You know, the paint on the fingers and do whatever. But when I was in third grade, I didn't do finger painting anymore. I got to use the brush. You know, you get into high school. What high schoolers do you see finger painting? You don't see it because they've moved on. And that's what the Lord teaches us. Yeah, it's beautiful to finger paint. But that's for, you know... Lower level education. Move on. And Paul writes here, For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. And then he gets hardcore. In verse 31. <clears throat> For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Remember, a letter to the church. Christians. And Paul is saying, when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Wait a second, Paul. Once saved, always saved. Wait a second, Paul. I did the altar call when I was 10 years old. And here I am doing my crack. I'm still saved, right? Lord, uh, Paul, I did the altar call when I was 20 years old. And here I am doing my sexual stuff, my alcohol stuff. I'm still saved, right? 
That's the safety behind this self-examination. To see, you know, to, 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 to self-examine and to scrutinize. We do this upon ourselves. Why? So that we won't be judged and condemned with the world. It's a form of chastening. If you repent, it's a form of chastening. A little spank. What child do you see that isn't spanked by their parents? Well, nowadays you see kid, parents who don't spank their kids. They call it corporal punishment. Then look at the kids. You see the kids grow up. Look at the kids. Crazy town. Because they've never been disciplined before. They've never been thumped by the parents. Now they're thumped by the police. It's better to teach your kids. Early. But the same applies for you and me when we're chastened by the Lord. So I love that Paul writes this letter to the church in Corinth. But it also pains me. Because of the level of carnality that arose in the church. And you know what? The level of carnality that arose, that arose in the church. Where were the elders? I meant when Paul was not in Corinth. Where were the elders in Corinth? Where were the pastors in Corinth? Why is it that a guy started to have sex with his dad's mom? When... A pastor or an elder should have called them on it. Or when the two were starting to get fresh. Why wasn't there an elder or a pastor who said, hey, cut it out? The fact that it was allowed to grow and fester in Corinth. But praise be to the Lord. Not just for Paul. But for beautiful, beautiful Chloe, who wrote a letter to Paul. People say, oh, Chloe was gossiping. No, she wasn't gossiping. She was a vessel of the Lord. She had to report to Paul. How beautiful it is to see the body of Christ. So you hear me talk about crazy pastors? You hear me talk about crazy elders? Yes, there are. But I don't care if you're male or female. Remember, in Christ, there's no male or female, slave, free, rich, poor, because we're all one in Christ. We're all the, the bride of Christ awaiting the bridegroom. And that's what's so beautiful about communion. Because it's this process of self-examination. It's a safety mechanism for us individually, but also for the, for the, for the body of Christ because it prevents the leaven. It's a safety mechanism for you and me individually. But then at the same time, what, what isn't allowed to fester in the body? Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. And so, I have to say this, you know, we're going to partake of the elements. But I have to say a little, you know, if you're a non-believer, become a believer. God loves you. He loves you so much so that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross for you to take your sin and put it on his son so that you can have life. If you are a believer, you know, hit us up, go to the church website, hit us up and let us know and we'll mail you the elements so that you can partake of communion because we are the body of Christ.
We are the bride of Christ and together we await the bridegroom. And so let's look at verse 24. <clears throat> and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. Okay, remember that, you know, this is uh, 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 something that we do because we're with the church body this morning. I'm going to uh, 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 hit stop on this recording and say God bless you guys. Love you guys.